Welcome to another episode of Applaudable Perspectives. Today, you get me. This is uh, the Vice President of PLA Media, Mark Longston. I know Pam is normally your host, but uh, you get a little sidestep today, and I have got an incredible guest here with us. Um, you have probably, in the Nashville community, you've probably seen him out at Writer's Rounds, and um, you, he's got music out, Spotify, Apple Music, anywhere you want to download it. Uh, welcome to the podcast, Mr. Sean Kennedy. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for having me. So you probably hear the accent, so <laughs> let's just dive right in. Tell them where you're from, Sean. I'm from a little town on the west coast um, called Irvine. It's um, the, the real shire, the Ayrshire on the <laughs> west coast of Scotland, yeah. So get me, um, let's talk about growing up in Scotland. How did you, do you remember like how you discovered music? Was it through family members or yeah. on your own? My, um, so music does run through the family. My, my dad was in bands for years. Um, and he, in, in the seventies, actually believe on it, he was, um, about to sign to the same label as the Beatles in 19, I think it was 78 or 79. He just recently met my mom and they were touring Denmark and Sweden, Norway. And uh, yeah, so music runs through the family there. My sister went to uh, British Institute of Music and in, down in Brighton, south of London. Okay. But I was the I was a football player, I was a soccer player, so that was the thing that came easiest to me. So um, music, I guess it was in there. Just I never had any way of like, oh, that's my thing. When I realised that football was the easiest thing for me. Yeah. So my dad never had any reason to try and say like, hey, try this. I maybe picked up the guitar when I was like. 13 and then I lasted two weeks or something like that <laughs> so yeah so then um I ended up having uh, when I was 19 I had four operations and I had this thing called a stem cell operation a bone transplant which was one of the first in the UK to have it um so anyway, a long process and and then when I was kind of on recovery like after a little bit of depression and having my my ego took a little bit of a dismantling to, to it's like oh this is not the person who I was supposed to, I thought I was supposed to be yeah and then when I was I mean, like before on, that were you on a thinking you're 100 oh, yeah. on a sports bet oh yeah 100 okay yeah playing um playing with I guess like professional teams in the youth um and then up through like 18 and then I started to have this defect in my knee which was they said it was wear and tear but um I, I don't I can't really tell you exactly I just think it was something that was meant to push me towards music just so happens it was a painful journey so yes yeah, so I went through um, that and then kind of like the the backside of the operation when I had all this time to do nothing I was 19 year old guy and I realised that I was depressed and didn't know who I was and what was next for me and then believe it or not I just I started listening to music that um, I reminded myself of music that I grew up listening to my folks played in the house then my sister introduced me to all our new music and there was like people like um like Gavin DeGraw and all that oh, coming right. through and and I was like, oh, that's cool. So next thing I'm singing along with songs in the the shower where I had nowhere else to go. Take my time in the shower, I couldn't put my foot on the ground for two and a half months. So it was like this Golly. process of like, yeah. So then the next thing I guess the melody frequency started running through me and it was like, Oh, this is coming out this way. Um eventually my dad heard me sing and he was shocked and he said, where did this come from? I said, I have no idea. Um, so he uh, he said, well, if you really want to pursue it and find a local band. And then that night I went to the pub with my friends on crutches and I met this guy from high school. And then... So we're still 19. Yeah. Right? yeah wow. 20, okay. Turned 20. Okay. And then he... Um, I told him what happened to me and I said, how about you? Like, just 
not pathetic, I'm like, how's everything with your band? And he's like, yeah, it's actually been doing really well, like locally successful. He's like, the singer actually just left last week. And I was like, no way. <laughs> and that was the first, I can say that was the first, like, I guess, light bulb spiritual moment in my life where I was like, oh, this is for me. Mm -hmm. So I joined a band as a front man. I couldn't write songs. I didn't know how to play guitar. I was like, let's just run with it. Just straight up vocals. Yeah. Okay. So I learned their songs. And then that was my um, introduction, apprenticeship to being in a, in a musical environment. And then... How does it extrapolate out from there? We got to get vocals. So is mm -hmm. songwriting come next, or does an instrument come next? Yeah, where do you, where I kind of started to learn off of the the guitar player. He was very patient, and um, certain styles that we both liked, and he was showing me some things on guitar, and and then especially lyrically when he was writing songs, he was like, "Let's attempt to write something." So it was more just like straight into the deep end, learning from someone that's been doing it for a, f a good few years. Yeah, and then. The guys in the band were all really had good day jobs, so they weren't willing to just give it everything. And I was like, well, I'm working in construction. I'm kind of like ready to step into this new world. And so I thought I'll just, I want to go right into it. Um, it was like a, a, a full wave of whatever that was, the feeling. It was like, this is something for me. So then I picked up the guitar, started writing songs myself. And then... Do you remember at what age you were when the... Um when you attempted the first song? Yeah, I was um, 2009. Okay. Which doesn't seem like that long ago. Of course, it's been over 10 years ago. Um, yeah. But yeah, the song was called... Um, one of the songs was called Drifting. Okay. I actually put on that first um, project. And then I maybe got like four songs and then played... I had a cover and four songs and I was going to play my first acoustic show by myself. Like I'd never been on stage on my own with a guitar, the songs I'd written. So 2010, I played them down on the West Coast at a music festival. Um, and I got my shot to try out my songs. And, yeah. And that was really it. I just never really looked back. And then four years from that, I came to Nashville for the first time. So it was still very like, even in four years, you try and fast track yourself. But it was still like a new thing to me. It's not, it's not that long. Four years... I guess you can really go fast if you want to, but it's still an early thing. It's yeah. Still a newborn. What um what introduced you to Nashville? What um what initially pulled you here? Yeah. I had a friend, uh, her name was Sarah Douglas, and she moved to Nashville with her mum. Um she's a fantastic songwriter, um, girl from Scotland. And her mum was also she sings in Skulls down in Printer's Alley on a Friday night. She's oh like, yeah. She's a jazz vocalist, yeah. Okay. And Auntie Jan. So they like come out to Nashville. I'd recently met them before they moved, and we. Um, I came out. I stayed with them out in Madison first time, two thousand fourteen, and then I ended up spending two months here. I felt like if I come out for two weeks, you know, like you go on vacation, it's never long enough. Yeah. So for something like this, it's like oh, I'm gonna come out for longer, and I just stayed here for two months, and then I met so many people, and I think that was enough for me to be like, oh yeah, this is cool. I'll just keep coming back, but not thinking like. I'm gonna move here one day. I was just I was just running on a feeling. Yeah. Kind of still feeling very premature to being like a musician and a writer. How long do Excitement. you keep the um, the flow going between here, going back here, going back? How many years does that run? Um. So I did like I was on and off for four years. Four. Okay. Two thousand fourteen. Um. On to like two thousand eighteen when I finally moved full time. Okay. So I just made trips. I thought I'll just I'll just do that thing and make relationships with people and um. 
learn the craft as much as I can. Yeah. Definitely getting my uh getting those little elements of like, okay, you need to practice more or and that's a good thing about Nashville, you like people work at their craft here. So as much as there's everyone's talented, but like the the difference is when the people work hard um with their talent. I had a football coach that always said that he like Hard work will beat your talent every single day. Absolutely, one hundred percent. Your talent works hard, so yeah. And so it stuck with me because I felt like football came easy to me as well. So I never realized that I had to work that hard because I'd been given something, and then it hit me after. So it feels like a somewhat a a second chance, if that's what you could call it. Yeah. So I'm like, cool. I actually love this, and I actually enjoy working hard. So we'll see what happens. So sure. So when you are creating music. Are melodies coming first or lyrics or melodies? Yeah, too? melodies is a thing for me. I don't know I don't know why it's always been that way. Yeah. Maybe just the Americans will always say it's like, what is it the deal with you Brits or these Europeans that have a really good sense of melody? What is it? Um I remember meeting even he's he was from Newcastle, Andy Taylor from Duran Duran. I met him in um Ibiza back in two thousand and maybe the same time, fourteen. And he was like, what's the deal with you Scots and your melodies and all that? So <clears throat> it's always been melody for me and the lyrical sense is, a, I guess that's just a part of life and like growing and understanding. It. I left school when I was 16, so I wouldn't, I wouldn't class myself as intelligent, but I definitely have a bit of um, travel in me. It brings you some wisdom, you know, it's like you get, yeah. you get older and you're like, yeah, I think I've gained a little bit of something. I wouldn't say like I have the best IQ, but um, most intelligent, but I definitely feel like I'm I'm wise enough to like say some things so the rest is as you can hear you said earlier melodies definitely something that stands are out for me. there artists that you lean on that you think have inspired your melodies at all I mean I grew up listening to Prince that was my, oh, my dad Prince what an icon but even even like a left turn like Steely Dan was a big one in my okay. house so you hear some of the previous songs I put out so you hear that like pop thing but then it's like why would you do that melody there Mm-hmm. and that's why people don't always love Steely Dan <laughs> because it's just, they're just trying out things that not many people do and that's the thing that I love where, yeah. how many different styles have you felt that you have dabbled in as you have uh, you know your sound has morphed over the years yeah um, well I always say I mean, growing up it was Prince and Bonnie Raitt okay. so like that singer songwriter style thing a little bluesy mm-hmm. but that pop driven thing that Prince had and um, then bands like Crowded House from from um, Australia and what else? Yeah, more of the kind of modern day. I would listen to like Coldplay are a big influence on me and Brian Adams through the time. You'll maybe hear that in oh, yeah. song Hearts to Seagull. You hear Brian Adams. So, um, And then bands like Young the Giant. There's tons of great melody and all that. Um, of course, Keith Urban was a big, as much as he's in music, he's got a lot of really great melodies. Mm-hmm. And that's that. Similar, the Australians and the Europeans are very similar in regards to the approach I feel anyway gotcha and melody so but yeah that, that how did makes. how did you find the city when you first moved here did you find it open to you as you or was it, is it was it hard to kind of get uh, integrated I mean people always say how did you start driving here <laughs> I was like well I just copied the guy so, in front of me Nashville doesn't know how yeah. to drive anyway well, so. that, that statement when you say it back in 2014 yeah I just copied the, the person in front of me it's like I wouldn't copy the person in front of me now. <laughs> God bless, it's the, some of the worst driving I've ever seen in my life. But, um, exactly. Yeah, I mean, just even just arrived, people were so, like, friendly. People, 
giving me a place to stay like here borrow my car and i'm like are you sure yeah, yeah it's fine here's the keys like just nothing's a problem that way and and they can tell that someone's trying to give it a shot here and i take my off like i wouldn't be like doing what i'm doing now with like helping my friends kind of yeah thing. no pun intended um yeah so it's been it's been amazing yeah i think nashville is one of the most open places in in the world for sure it is definitely i i, I agree with that statement with a little asterisk it is open as long as you're willing to put the work in and find, oh, yeah, the, yeah. find the people that can be open with you definitely it is hard because um i think so many people in your shoes will get to this city and they will find a lot of doors will open but then it'll close right behind you it's just like okay walk on through you know yeah is he serious mm-hmm. about it you know it's um it's a that is one thing about the south they will they will be nice to you but it doesn't mean they're always going to help you in the long run you have so, to you have to put the time in yourself as well exactly like, yeah. even like tough shell things as well early early days when coming to nashville and you go to the bmi office and the person's giving you um he's giving you a songwriting check he's just like you know you, you need to hear this because you need to get better your songs are not good enough or whatever you know yeah and some people can't take take that like criticism i just think all criticism is good that's the way i look at it now yeah because someone's maybe just saying it because they either want you to be doing better or they just think that it could be better in the first place so it's really down to you how you receive yeah yeah um, to, to me i look at it as a compliment it's like if it's not good enough it's not good enough yeah that means like you can go back to the drawing board but that's but it's also you it is also one person's opinion exactly and another thing we see i yeah. went and uh i saw one republic just a few weeks ago and i don't know if were you i don't know if you were in the room for that show yeah I, was, I saw some videos online i um, made it yeah um ryan told a story about how uh he'd went into he'd pitched a song and and one of the executives at the label had told him, no, you never put this out. It's not going to work. Um, we we don't want it. So he took the song to another artist, and it turned out to be Ellie Goulding's Burn. Yeah. So, and it's just like, uh, no, it wasn't Ellie Goulding. It was Leona Lewis's. Oh yeah, that's uh, right. Bleeding that's Love. When she won. The, yeah, 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 yeah. And he was like, so not only did I have a hit with it, but I had a hit on an artist that never had a hit before. So. And that's yeah. the pinch of salt where you're just like, I always say like, opinions are. Um, that's what success and failure is measured on is opinions. Mm-hmm. So if people actually get rid of that idea of what opinions and success and failure is, see if you literally just take that out your your whole vision and your life completely and just get on with your your shit. Yeah. It's well, like nothing can get in your way really. Yeah. You know your own success is only measured by when you go so far and you look back it's like wow I didn't realize I did that. That's your success rather than be like here's a trophy. But that's also nice that people are acknowledging your music. Mm-hmm. But as a personal like journey and your workmanship and your musicianship, it's like your success is only when you look back and realize that you've grown. I think that's that's the way I've looked at it. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I yeah. I mean I will also willingly admit I am clearly a fan of your stuff as well. Thank you. And I have seen just from what I've seen from your short video content that you do online, your own perspective I think has changed at least in the last few years. Mm-hmm. It feels a it feels like you are uh, in a position where you are 100% comfortable in your own skin and your own shoes and exactly where you are landing with your music now. Wow, thank you. I mean, yeah. I, I feel that way. I've never really had anyone say, like, I think you... You've literally just put it right on the button. That's the way I feel. It's when I go on stage, I have no nerves don't even come into it anymore because I'm excited. Yeah. And it's more just excited where, like, 
I know that I have something to give to people now rather than be like it's a confidence thing it's like I have I'm going to show them how to solo here it's like mm-hmm. it's like no there's probably something my songs will say something but there's also something that I'm capable of saying in between the songs or I, I just enjoy that even playing places like the lesson room in town where you've got that opportunity and people are, are listening and they want to know it's like you, you when people say I had the crowd in the palm of my hands it's like not like you're not trying to change their minds. It's like I had them in the palm of my hands because I knew I could say something that was going to help. Mm-hmm. That's the way I feel about life and even if we are just having a conversation or performing a song, it's like, I don't know. I just came to that place where I'm like, I'm okay with everything. Yeah. So like, I'm okay with everything. So that means if I'm okay with everything and we're in the room, everyone else is going to feel okay. Exactly. Hopefully. Yeah. Yeah. And you establish a, an environment of... Um, inclusiveness and just confidence in what you're doing mm-hmm. and I mean that just it just comes across yeah thank so, you man thank you um, you were sharing previously before we got in this room a really interesting story that I wanted you to share with the with our listeners tell us about your um, was it a marathon that you were going in for New York oh yeah and the <laughs> and the my person Forrest, that you meet along the way for his gump moments yeah <laughs> exactly yeah me and my best friend Stephen back home has his dad passed away from motor neuron ALS like a long time ago. So we would do um, events like charity events. Sometimes we would do like a band night or even a like a raffle night stuff like that, and just create. Someone would be doing like like an X Factor style thing, but it's fancy dress, and someone's dressed up as like Leona Lewis or something. Like yeah, that. yeah. Or like um, Rod Stewart. So we would do these events, but we also travelled, and we went to New York in two thousand eleven to do the marathon. So which was wow, that was tell you one of the best experiences in my life but it's not easy to run a full marathon without stopping i cannot imagine honestly how long do you train to do that oh i mean i was back playing football and thinking that oh yeah i'll be thankfully you you grew up playing enough playing football so you were running fields all the time yeah it's a different thing though Mm -hmm. because i'm like oh i'm a a football player i run for 90 minutes non-stop yeah but then you realize that you have to train yourself to be able to run for a certain amount of time not like Mm -hmm. i can run 26.2 miles it's not that it's like you need to be able to run for four hours, like your legs be okay with that. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I never ran the full way. I had to walk at some point because it was so tough. And I was like, okay, fair play to people that complete this in a fast pace. Yeah. So yeah, it went to New York 2011. And then while I was there, I thought, well, I'll, I'll make, I'll make way of this and bring my guitar and like play a couple of shows in New York. And then I'm just going to go from here straight to, sorry, fast forward. 2016 when we did the half marathon so okay. 2011 was the main time we did it charity events from those years on and then my buddy said let's go back to new york and do the half marathon <laughs> of course we'll just chop it in half because it's so <laughs> um so we can it was also around st patrick's day so we're yeah. not going to go around you need yeah you, you got to save some energy yeah. you're going to have some well, we made celebration the, afterwards we also made the mistake that it turns out st patrick's day was two days before the race so Oh, that yeah. was poor planning. Come on. And we weren't going to back out and not drink, <laughs> drink pints again. I feel so. like you would have to give up an ID <laughs> in order to, you, you just couldn't admit. We'd, yeah. We definitely put ourselves in it, but, so we, we ran the half marathon and while that I was certainly there. adds a whole other element. Oh my God. I think we did some like 12 pints of Guinness that day or something. Jesus. I don't know. Anyway, long. we're from Scotland. But yeah, so that was an experience, but I took my guitar and I managed to get a couple of shows and, um, uh, Rockwood Music Hall and then Arlene's Grocery was one of them and then the plan was to come down to Nashville after it so sure enough my buddy Julian was coming from Nashville to open up the show at Arlene's Grocery and then I think I got a call that his flight got 
cancelled like last minute as a lot of flights from Nashville gone to places can like instantly. So his flight got cancelled. He's like, the next one's not for whatever. He's like, I'm just going to cancel this because I won't get this to the show on time. Yeah. So he cancelled, which means that I went to go and meet my friend Steve and his cousins and friends for dinner. They'd already ventured out. So I show up and I'm an extra person. So we had to move table in this um, restaurant down in the east side. And it was very low lit inside. So walk in, we moved to the center of the room. We're mingling and talking. 30 minutes go by and Stephen's cousin, her her best friend was facing me. And she just froze and just looked at me. She's like, oh my goodness. I was like, what's up? She's like, oh, Paul McCartney's right behind you. And I'm like, oh my word. So I'm like, no one react, don't like cause a scene. Of course, my best friend Stephen's like, you better say something. And I'm like, just relax, just chill out. Cause any small movement and they would like finish the meal and get out of here. Yeah. It's like, it's, he's like one of the Beatles. You can't hang around for too long. Yeah. <clears throat> so we, um, I had to leave early to do a sound check. So I grabbed my guitar and my jacket, walked back around to everyone. I said, okay, I'll see you at the show. And, and then my best friend gives me that look and he's like, just Come do on, it. Just you gotta do, do this. Just do How many times are you gonna end up in a room with Paul McCartney? Exactly. So I turn around and I set my guitar down next to his table and I apologize for interrupting the meal. I was like, I'm really sorry. And he's, he scoots around and he's still like chewing on his, <laughs> his dinner. He's like, he's like, no, no, you're fine. He's like, where are you from? I was like, oh, I'm from the West Coast in Scotland. He's like, I was like, yeah, yeah, I can hear your accent. It's very, I can, I lived there for a long time. I was like, of course you did. So that was, <laughs> that was funny. And then, He's like, so why, why are you in New York? And I was like, oh, me and my friend over there, are, we do like the marathons, the half marathons for ELS. And um, I'm playing a couple of shows and heading to Nashville. And he's like, wow, good for you. I hope it goes well. And then I said, oh, I'm, I'm leaving to go and play a show right now. I have to go and sound check. And I was like, would you, would you mind signing my guitar for me? The one that I'm playing with? And he's like, of course, like you know, find a Sharpie and we'll do it. So of course, I make sure I can find a Sharpie pen. <laughs> and then... He, he he's like let's not sign it on the front he's like sign it on the top because this will last longer yeah yeah so he did he wrote on the top to Sean cheers Paul McCartney and um and of course I burst the bubble in the restaurant because everyone then knew it was him and uh, like, yeah, <laughs> I probably yeah. left him in the shit like <laughs> but thanks he, for this guitar good luck <laughs> he was like the nicest and I never asked for a picture I was like yeah and I do have the feeling that he he thought oh this young guy has got balls to like one come up to me in a restaurant but two travel over here and do the thing that i did yeah so i could have the feeling now that he was like oh he was seeing himself for a second yeah um and i shook his hand and i said thanks so much and he's like good luck and i walked away and <laughs> i walked out i was like halfway to the, the venue and i text my dad and i was like i just met paul mccartney and he's like it was five five hours of a difference so it was yeah yeah midnight for him and he's like you walked up to paul mccartney and i said well i just i said hello and then my dad's like, you've got balls of steel. <laughs> <laughs> That's what he said. So that was, yeah. And then um, I was still kind of in shock for a second. I was like, he, and I don't really get starstruck because I just had a conversation with him. But I was like, wow. Okay. And that was like the time. And I can, and then the following week, five days later, I met Bonnie Raitt. Like again. Oh, no, okay. Like I got to hear that story like, too. Rare moments of like flashback to 2014. I met... Um, do you remember the Tipler venue? Tipler, yeah, yeah, yeah. The back used to of, be in back a, of um, Yeah, it was in the, the apartment building. Yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. Taylor, Taylor Swift. Used yeah, to yeah, 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 yeah. So you, oh, I that went, was a cool little room. Yeah, so yeah. I went there 2014 when I just that first Adelisha. month. 
Yes. Yeah, okay. So that first uh, month I came here, my friend Sarah moved in with, she's like, we're going to go to the Tipler, there's a cool band that play. And it turns out it's the house band and these people had all played with like well-known names, musicians. And the guitar player's name was George Marinelli. Okay. George Marinelli was Bonnie Raitt's guitar player for the last 20 years, whatever. Okay. So, and I had just came to Nashville like a few months prior to that. He played back in Scotland with Bonnie Raitt. And I remember me and my dad had just tweeted him and said, we really just love your guitar playing and blah, blah, blah. And he replies, like, oh, thanks a lot. I love Scotland. So fast forward, I'm in New York, uh, Nashville and I'm standing at the bar and I just turn around. I was like, oh, that's George Marinelli standing right next to me. Yeah. And I thought, wait till he's done. And I say like, I was like, hey, George, um, my name's such and such. And he's like, that's not an accent from around here. And yeah. So anyway, I said, can I buy you a scotch, like whiskey? And he's like, oh, it's like, I get my drinks for free in here. I play in the band. I was like, oh, cool. He's like, I'll buy you one. I'm like, great. So I texted All my right. dad. And <laughs> so we became like friends and spoke online for um, a few years. And then fast forward to New York. So I just meet Paul McCartney and I'm back in my hotel room and I get this message from George. He's like, hey, by the way, last minute, um, are you still in the States? And where are you? He's like, oh, I'm actually in New York. He's like, oh, we're playing Philly tomorrow night. He's like, if, I'd say it was like a few days after the, the, the half marathon. My buddy Steve went home. So I was staying in New York for a few weeks. He's like, well, if you could get to Philly, I've got a couple of tickets for you. So I'm like, I've got this guitar, right? For the Paul McCartney just signed. I'm not letting out my sight my day of day. course not yeah. no so then I um, I was like this is going with me I'm going to pack a um, a backpack put some underwear in and just get on your way get on the train so I leave my suitcase at a friend's place I'm on the train trying to find an Airbnb and I just I just go for it and I guess like people listening or if they, if they get to hear, hear this and it's the same for anyone that see taking chances and it's not like just go for it, take a chance. But like, there's something about running with your gut feeling that'll mm-hmm. always work out for you. And all these stuff, things that have happened. I'm like, well, it has to happen. All this stuff's happened now. So of course I go to the show and I, um, George gets me tickets and I'm two rows from the front or whatever. I'm sitting next to Bonnie's best friend and she's like, anyone ever tell you you look like um, uh, Chris Isaac? My hair was all up at the time. He's like, I'm oh. like, no, thanks a lot. She's like, oh, um, I introduced myself. She's like, introduced myself. She's like, oh, I'm, I'm one of Bonnie's friends. I've been a friend for a long, long time. And are you friends with Bonnie? And I'm like, um, kind of, kind of. I've been a fan for a long time. I know George and whatnot. So yeah, these happened within like that space of ten days there, and then I came down to Nashville. And, yeah, just things that were just like happening like that. Wow. And then I got the guitar lacquered as soon as I arrived. I was gonna ask the next question. Where is the guitar? It's at home. So I um I played. I played a few shows with it and I've written a few songs, like a bunch of songs on it. But oh, nice. Because you think there's magic in it, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that's one of the Maybe things that I we should just have Bonnie sign the same one. Maybe I should do that. Yeah. Get that done, yeah. <laughs> Crazy. But, yeah, that's one of the things where I don't, when my parents are like, what path are you walking? I was like, I don't know. She's like, just stay on it, whatever. Like, if it feels right, just go with it. Yeah. Honestly, don't, don't, try, and, don't try and know the how. Don't try and figure out how it works. Just go for it. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, speaking of going for it, uh, this uh, latest single that you just put out, Hurts to See You Go, Mm. man, what a vibe. Thank you. That is killer. If anyone, if you have not heard that song, please go put it on right now. And if you listen to that song and you're not dancing, just stop. (laughs) You don't even, that's it. Music doesn't go through your veins. Rescue business. (laughs) Exactly. uh, That's cool. So tell tell us about the genesis of that song. 
Yeah, um, Thanksgiving last year, I went to my buddy, um, Rob Ricotta, who I wrote the song with, my best friend. Um, we're also doing a podcast together, which will probably launch at the start of the year. That right. Um, but yeah, so we, I was at his um, parents' place up in North Carolina. Him and his girlfriend were venturing up. They said, oh, come and have Thanksgiving. So there, I have a little place called Franklin, North Carolina, in the woods, cabin and all that. So we're, we're finishing Thanksgiving dinner and the piano's there. And I had an old melody from a song called Deja Vu. Um, and it was a kind of running down. And I thought, like, the song's sitting there, but, like, I've always loved that melody. So I, I never thought, like, I'm going to write a new song. So I just go on the piano and do it faster. Yeah. And my buddy Rob, he's like, he's like, what's that? It's like, oh, it's a melody I've had for a long time. So we're just singing along. He's like, let's try something with it. So it was more just, like, humming melodies and whatnot and, like, a, a style of kind of a lot of pushes in the, the um, in regards to the drum beat. So then we fast forward to January this year and then we jump in the room. It's like, do you want to try something with this idea? And you go back and listen to the voice notes and it's the amount of things that just fall out the sky. Because you, you can hear yourself searching for it. And when you hear it in a voice note, you're like, that's freaky. But you're showing up for it and it's literally giving you back. Yeah. So, yeah, that, that, that hook melody is the thing that came and um, my buddy Graham Rowe he moved from Nashville uh, to Charleston and was selling this selling his gear and he um, big shout out to him he's an awesome Perth great bass player and he uh, he was selling this little Yamaha keyboard um, for like a hundred bucks I was like oh that's cool it reminds me of when I grew up yeah so fast forward until last week I just realised that that keyboard was it came out the year I was born 1987 so yeah <laughs> So I, I just thought, like, I'm going to put this in almost every song that I do in this project, and this will be my thing, my, my, my little, like, sonic pattern that's going through it. So, yeah, I do it in the song, and then Hurts to See You Go, I guess, a, a personal experience of... I've realised that in this project, I've maybe the songs have felt something mm -hmm. and of an experience, but I know there's people that have went through more than I have, so I've learned to be more of an empath and just jump just jump the fence and go down that hill further than needed and try and come back the way. Oh. So I'm like, cool, if I felt this, like, what would it be like if I just, like, make it a bit more severe? But, like, amazing songs throughout the um, the past, you heard that happy music with a sad lyric. Yeah. Other really, like, nostalgic thing. So mm -hmm. I just wanted to create nostalgia and basically that I know that it didn't work out. I'm actually okay, but it hurts to see you go kind of thing. And I thought, this is the best part of nostalgia. Where people are like, oh yeah, I'm okay too, but like, damn, that that sucks. That doesn't that didn't work out. So I kind of used that as my like driving force, and and my buddy Rob, we became like close friends, and we tell each other everything. So that's made it easier in songwriting. It's like let's try write songs, and off the bat we we um we kind of hit the mark, and yeah, this song just so it's a mix of all the things that I loved growing up to, from whether it's Prince or U two or Steely Dan, um. Brian Adams, all the things. Yeah. So, so I've just blended them all together and it's, you could say like, that's so 80s. Like, yeah, I've just literally used an 80s keyboard. So you should know that that's what it is. But like, there's like, these other things that are making it modern, a little pop element. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> well, so, yeah. that, that whole um, decade of music has certainly got a resurgence right yeah, now. Yeah, TV shows and all yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. So try to like, definitely make it fit in there, but also know that in, 10 years it'll still be something you'd want to listen to mm -hmm. you know, so yeah <clears throat> now when the pandemic hit obviously people like yourself in the gig economy you 
um, took a took a hard turn. Mm-hmm. I mean, all your plans for putting out music are gonna certainly the whole the whole world change, but the whole plan of how do you release music, how do you still engage with your fans, changed as well. Tell us, um, I mean, what 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 we were kind of talking about before you got in here was when everyone else went down in the pandemic, it was like you stood up mm-hmm. and yeah. and you stood out. Mm-hmm. And so, tell us about kind of how you got through the pandemic and what you learned and what you shifted. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you were to go and ask most artists or bands right now, <clears throat> excuse me, if you were giving them the chance to know, say, say we said to them, you know that this is this is going to happen in 2020, right? So we're now at August, September 2019. Mm-hmm. This is going to happen in March next year. If we give you the chance, do you want to like throw a couple of singles at the end of 2019 and get a run? into this next year knowing that you're not going to be allowed to go out so if, if you ask people that they'd be like hell yeah I'd love to get to out because I might just be ready yeah yeah when everyone's not doing anything yeah but I would never have known that that was going to happen yeah it just so happened my project started in September 2019 and then I I could say like I got lucky on Apple Music but they took a shine into the song Free that I put out okay and it landed in New Music Daily and um, today Apple Music which is the two biggest playlists on Apple I mean I was next to Drake and all the big artists like why is my name in there and they, they get in the playlist people were like we just think this song's great and I'm like okay this is it because you're not guaranteed with playlists yeah, so. no and that is I mean the whole playlisting world is the part of the world that is the hardest one to crack and if anyone has cracked it they do not share the secret it's true <laughs> and, and the thing is at the same time there was no secret for me the I was like, why would they like, no, we just think it's good. And we actually think it should have done better, mm-hmm. but, but we put it in there because um, we think the song's good enough. So I put a couple of singles out and got this little bit of momentum. The next one got some playlists. Um, and then I said to you earlier bef- before that I didn't realize that it would take off on Apple Music and places like Tokyo that I found out were my number one city. It's like they love Apple Music as well. So they listen to that a lot. And then they took a shine into my music. So... That's somewhere that I really would love to go to in like the near future. So yeah, going into 2020, I was always going to be putting this music out anyway, whether I got to play it live or not. So I just stayed on the train and my momentum kind of like gathered. Um, and then I thought, I'll just keep it going. And then I finished that EP. Um, it came out like May, fully came out in May. Um, I wrote a song in the pandemic called What Is Life? And it was just like... I was living by myself and I just learned piano because I had nowhere else to go. Yeah. And an upright at the house. And then I was like, what is life? We can't see heaven. Um, we're all looking for it. was basically just this thing like when you laugh to yourself, it's like, what is life? Right? Good or bad? Yeah. So I wrote this song and then that was the last one that I finished on top of the EP. Um, and then my distribution, uh, Tone Tree that I worked with in town, they were like, do you want to keep it going? I was like, yeah. So it came out of like, but like let's leave summer to do even though we're not all out there fully but like let summer do its thing normally that's like a festival season time where you don't put too much music yeah. out and of course for me like post summer was always like a season of writing songs and like a reflective moment of mm-hmm. like whether you found a love in summer it never lasted or something like that but there's also a seasonal um personality change within you as well you see everything differently yeah so i, I wrote a song called hasty boy which is a two chord song that I was just like could I write a two chord song and my dad was like you can maybe throw a minor in there and I was like 
yeah, but I'm going to do two chords. Yeah. And that came out really fast, and it was this nice change into, like, the fall. And, and that, is, that is one of your most strange songs on Spotify. That's one of the, yeah. um, that's my most Shazam song. Yeah, I've had wow. People, I've had people send me videos of being in, like, um, random department stores from mm-hmm. Lowe's to, like, Target. And, like, your song, Hasty Boy's playing here, and I was like, I can never imagine a mum pushing her kid in a stroller. Hasty Boy, who's this guy? That's yeah. not like a song. That's not a song you think like that's relative. Yeah. But it's like it's a it's a post seasonal change of like I'm okay with again getting over that person mm-hmm. or whatever. This it was a it was basically a metaphor for the season change. Yeah. But in a, a love sense, and then uh, it was the first thing I had produced and uh, by myself, and then got some friends to play on it, and then I sent it to some people, and they're like. Oh, who did this? It's like, oh, that's all I need to hear. Mm-hmm. It's like, cool, just stick to your thing. Yeah. And also not being precious where I'm like, oh, this is me. I have to do this for myself. Yeah. And I also had to learn to say like, okay, you can't do any more, pass it on yeah. to someone. And that's why. That has I, to be one of the hardest parts as an artist is when do you stop working on a song? Mm. And like, at what point do you go, this is, I'm, I'm, this is it. This is yeah. the, this that's, is, this that's is like the probably that year, 2020. I'm just like, just let it go, man. Yeah. And then, of course, I look back, it's like, oh, I'd love to have changed that, but I still wouldn't do it. Yeah. Um, I'd rather see, like, a gradual change, but it's fun. It's like, I worked on that EP and those songs, that stuff that just came out in the last six months within that release. And yeah. I was, like, super proud, because that's, like, a project I would put on vinyl. It's because it's, Ooh, it's nice. got a mono kind of sound mm-hmm. and stuff. Um, it's got a 70s pop thing. So, yeah, I'll maybe do that at some point, but... Yeah, that was just my momentum gathered through there. And then uh, I never said, let's take a year out. I just thought, yeah, I'm going to just change it up. I'm going to dig back into my roots. And last year in August, I was literally, I was in that place in my life where I was like, I think I'm going to move somewhere else and just like find out where I'm happiest. Yeah. Not saying that I'm not happy in Nashville. Yeah. I was asking the questions, which I think in life, if you're I not think, asking questions. And everyone, I think, asked themselves that same question. Because we suddenly had all this time where we had to be with ourselves in the mm-hmm. pandemic. And if you didn't, if there was something you didn't like, you couldn't get away from it. Oh, you there, there, was, yeah. there was no, no noise of events and gatherings that was going to drown out your mm-hmm. dislike for something. Yeah. 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 So that was, um, I was, my, my buddy Rob was like, are you, are you serious? I'm like, well, I'm just asking questions. Yeah. I'm asking God or the universe to show me what the next thing is. It's not like I'm crying out for help. I'm fine. Yeah. But I'm contemplating moving somewhere to see if I'm happier there or whatever my next thing is. Yeah. And then the next thing popped out. The next song just came. And then I wrote a song called Scared to Love Me that was going to come out in like January. And then I just stayed on this train and all this new music. I've got like probably more than an album worth now, but it's all that same nostalgic feeling of like, we're all okay. It's fine. Yeah. Don't get, I know we're heartbroken, but that only lasts for a short season. So one th- one thing <clears throat> I wanted uh, I wanted to brag on you on was because um, you took the pandemic to also. Uh, it's hard to be an artist now and not have to feel like social media is mm. part of your job. It just is yeah. now. It's just a modern artist that becomes part of your world, um, and with. Uh, with you, what I what I saw was you took the pandemic and really dove into how can I create short form video content that is gonna engage. And what I liked about what you do is you're super open and vulnerable. Mm. It feels like 
people that don't, I mean, I've been fortunate, I've gotten to meet you several yeah. times uh, throughout your career, but um, it's for those that don't get a chance to meet you in person, you really let them in. So tell, uh, first of all, tell us, you know, what motivate. I mean, obviously we kind of know what physically happened that motivated you, but like mm-hmm. what, uh, what made you click in your mind that I'm going to have to embrace this and what do you... How do you sit down and figure out, you know, what am I, what am I going to do content or what am I going to do? Mm-hmm. What kind of, what kind of motivates those two things? I just, I, I always come back to like the thing of who, who am I kind of thing and, and what's, it's like the same way people ask you like songwriters, it's like, would you listen to your song when it came out? Would you like it? Would you love it? Do you think you did enough on your song? Could it be better and all that? Um, and I think that that's the thing. Would you listen to your song if it was on the radio? Yeah. Like that's the kind of song you want to write. Yeah. Like when you, you look, you listen to your peers. Um, and I kind of think of just authenticity. And it's not like a, a an over an overly thought of that. And this needs to be authentic. This got to be so genuine. I just never, I was never good at trying to do the other things. That and not saying that's because of what everyone else is doing. It's like, yeah. even if I tried, it's like, oh, my body's like, that's not. It's not you, I don't know. Yeah. Like, even when I played football, it's like not everyone understood. Like if I was trying something else out, not all the players would read it. And the manager was like, just drop back a little bit. It's like, all right, okay. But this is what I do. Yeah. <laughs> so even in, in regards to like videos, I'm just like, expose yourself. Just like literally just show yourself and your mm-hmm. all your glory kind of thing. And probably more mad, the drive behind that is knowing that it's not for me. Yeah. People like, they send messages of like nice comments of like sympathy and all that. It's like that's so beautiful that they would say that. But on the long run, it's like I'm doing this for everyone else, and it's not to be like, don't just give yourself away and to help other people. It's like, now like I've already been through a lot of pain as well. Like, but I just know that I can do these things to help one another. Mm-hmm. So if I make myself, if I expose myself for who I am, people are like, oh that cool. That means I can just do me. I can be myself then. Yeah. And that's the, the way, yeah. You you developed a um, authenticity that can't be um, fabricated, and mm. that's the cool part. Thank like, you. And and I think that's that's what I think every artist needs to find a way to do. But particularly, you have found a way to do it and excel at it. Mm. So, Thank you. Yeah, I don't even. It's the same. My parents say to me sometimes, they're like. I don't know how you did that, like that whole move thing, and it's like, and then it's it's almost like they're asking me the question, and I'm like, I don't know, I don't think about it. Yeah. It's like people are like, so you, so you gonna be here a long time? I was like, I don't know. Yeah. It's like I'm I'm on a holiday. <laughs> That's true though. I'm not. I'm still on a working visa, so it's like I'm still bound to live in Scotland, like or yeah. where I'm from the UK. It's like I'm on a holiday still. Yeah. So I don't know why I should say. Well, it, it, it has certainly been one of the most successful holidays. <laughs> I would have to say, expensive holidays. Yeah. <laughs> well, is there uh, anything that you would that I, that you'd want to be asked about, or something that you want to cover that I haven't talked to you about? No, I mean, um, I've been dabbling into a little bit of film and acting recently. So oh I'm yeah, work, yeah, working on a short film. It was actually it's um, funded through a church in Cincinnati, but they have these have an amazing team that like cinematographers and videographers and editors and all that and they do these short films and show them at their events okay but they kind of like step further outside the box and they've done this like apocalyptic style walking dead it's like a metaphor for the last couple of years of like have we learned enough here Mm -hmm. 
can we have done more or whatnot? Do we really figure some things out? What life really is and all that? Yeah. So it's a kind of metaphor for that. And it was a most, again, random call. The, the, the lead guy pulled out the day before they were filming in Chicago and I got a call. <laughs> They're like, we saw you in uh, Morgan Wade's music video and someone else. He's we think you're the guy. And I'm like, I'm having a coffee at 9 a.m. He's like, me? I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, okay. Like, it's like, could you fly out to Chicago like tomorrow morning? I'm like, are you going to pay? Yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> but I did, and it was a short um, monologue. I guess there wasn't a lot of... We had to like, act it out, but there's going to be a voiceover thing, so... Yeah. We did, like, three 16-hour days shoots, and, and it was awesome. So I'm like, cool. I wanted to step into that world, and I got my opportunity, and if more things come from it, then great. So that's coming up in the next... It'll be at the end of next month, and then... Yeah, just... Just working on these songs. The next single will be on the 4th of November. All right. And then start of the year. Just keep throwing them out and playing some live shows with the band. So hopefully um, I can, like, get some dates for the, the shows and yeah. start creating that little bit of buzz again. Well, so. you heard it here, television <coughs> agents. He is, he is open for business. I'm ready for my first Oscar. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Visually, you're like the guy from you <laughs> and Andrew Garfield, all in like one By person. Way, I always get the guy from you, but not I not until I mean, recently though. I was in Crema the other day. Yeah, yeah. This girl was just like looking over, and I'm like, I don't know whether she thinks I'm somewhere else. She probably thinks I'm such and such. Yeah. And then eventually, she's like, oh, I'm really sorry. Like, I had like I had my friend's glasses on because it was sun was blaring. Yeah, yeah. And she's like, Does anyone ever say you look like Andrew Garfield? And I'm like. Well, normally it's this other guy called it, or it's this one, but now it's Andrew Garfield. I'm like, mm -hmm. no, but thanks. Like, we were just sitting there, like, that's Andrew Garfield. And I'm like, no, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> and I said to my friend, I'm like, you know, one day they're going to say, like, are you, are you the guy? Are you Spider-Man? From Scotland? <laughs> the singer somewhere? I was like, that's me. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> like, no, I'm Andrew Garfield. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so funny, man. So tell, tell them, how, where do they find you online, Sean? Yeah, I'm mostly on Instagram and a bit of TikTok. I, I do a lot of videos on TikTok, just whether it's mental health or talking about all sorts of stuff. So, uh, Sean C Kennedy seventy seven is my Instagram, and the same for TikTok, Sean C Kennedy seventy seven. Um, my artist name is Sean C Kennedy. You'll get me on Apple Music, Spotify, all the places. Yeah, perfect. Well, thank you so much for yeah, coming you. in and and joining us today. Appreciate and, uh, your time. Everyone, stay tuned. Next week, we'll have a whole other episode. Your uh, your typical host will be back. But uh, for now on, go check out Sean, Sean C. Kennedy's music and uh, enjoy dancing around your house to hurts to see you go. Thanks, man. <laughs> Thank you.